This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. You fired up? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Church, what a moment we are in. What, what a moment we are in. Um, I'm, I'm so excited to be in this moment with you. If you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Haggai. That's where we'll be. If, if you just jumped in, for some of you this morning, in real life, this is your very first Sunday, and I'm so excited for the day that you've joined us in because you just stepped into the current of something special God's been doing over the last uh, little over four years. Some of you have been a part of real life from the very beginning, and I'm just so grateful to get to share in this moment with you. God is doing something special, and the best is truly yet to come. This morning, I really want to answer just two questions for us. As you're turning to Haggai uh, chapter one, uh, I'll give you plenty of time to find that book, uh, Table of Contents. Feel free to use Table of Contents. Haggai, it's the second shortest book in the Old Testament. It's a little tricky to find sometimes without the Table of Contents. Um, So Haggai chapter one, but I want to answer two questions. And the first question is just, um, why our time? Why, why our time. And there's, and there's really two uh, texts of Scripture that I want to direct our attention to this morning to help shape our understanding of, of why our time and, and where, do I, where do I come up with this. The, the first one, and you don't have to turn there, you're turning to Haggai, but the first one is found in Acts chapter 17. And here the apostles are preaching and the, the church is being birthed and the, it's, it's a movement that's taking place. And, and here's what the apostles say that Luke records. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Now let me read that one more time. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Now what were the apostles teaching there? Real simple truth. God determined where and when you would live. Where and when you would live. Now, I know if we were telling the story, some of us would tell the story a little differently, right? We would say, no, no, no. We drove around town and we found the perfect neighborhood that was in the school zone and we loved the backyard. That's why we live where we live. And others would say, no, 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 no. We, we walked into this, this home and the color scheme was perfect and the granite countertops was exactly what we wanted. And others would say, no, no, no. We live in the house that we live in because my parents gave it to us and it's all we could afford, right? You know, no. But what the, what the apostles are teaching here is that in the midst of us choosing where we would live, God was transcending it all. The Bible says this in, in the book of Proverbs, many are the plans in the heart of man, but the Lord orders his steps. So somehow it's a mystery that God transcends the decisions that we're making to choose to live in this house or in that neighborhood or in that town or in that state or in that city. What we see the scripture teaching us is that God appointed it. Look, look at it with me. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. So who chose that you would live in Montgomery County or in one of the surrounding counties? You did, but God did. Who who chose that you would be stationed at Fort Campbell rather than the other army base? 
Well, the, the military did, the government did, or God did, right? Both, right? So not only, does this, not only does this text teach us that God appointed where we would live, it also teaches us that God appointed when we would live. It's not 1832. It's 2023. Right now, in this moment. So you could have been born in Africa, and you could have been born in Egypt, or you could have been born in Kentucky, or you could be living in Georgia, and it could be 1942. But you and I are living right where we're living, right in this moment, by God's determination. Why? Why? I believe that God's put you where he's put you, when he's put you there, because he has a passion and a dream that you would fulfill his purpose. To help spread the gospel, to advance the kingdom, and to see his church built. That's what I believe. I, be- I-, I believe where you're living, it's not by accident. I believe when you're living, it's not by chance. It's not by coincidence. It's by the sovereign hand of God putting you right where you are for a divine purpose. There's so much hope in this, isn't it? How many days go by where you just feel like, is life just meaningless? Is this all there is to life? No, God has a great plan and a great purpose for you. Indeed, he's put you in this region at this time to fulfill his purpose, that you might leverage your time, energy, and resources to see his name spread. Do you see it, church? So where do we get this idea that it's our time? Well, we get this idea from the conviction that, yeah, I chose where I live, but God appointed it. And I didn't really choose when I was born. God appointed it. In other words, I'm right here, right now, at this time, and God has a big plan for why he's put me here. So that's the first scriptural truth that that kind of grounds where I got this phrase, our time. The next one is in um, John chapter 9, and you don't have to turn there, but in John chapter 9, there's this great scene in Jesus' life um, where people are asking him questions about why this man was born blind. And listen to how Jesus responds to this. This is amazing in John chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Amazing. The son of God, the king of kings, Jesus Christ, healing the blind man. (laughs) He was blind, but now he sees. He put the mud on his eyes and he sees. But don't miss verse four, what Jesus says here. He says, we must. Let me just pause there. There's a lot of things in life we feel like we must do. But there's really only a few things in life that we actually must do. And here Jesus says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Many of us understand exactly what Jesus is saying here because we grew up on a farm or we grew up in Sango or we saw our grandfather farming. And what Jesus is saying here, he's speaking to an agrarian society and they know when the sun goes down, the workday's done. No, nobody's going inside and firing up the laptop, right? Not in Jesus' day. 
When the sun went down, the workday was over. And Jesus is using this real life example to teach a spiritual truth. He says, when the sun goes down, the workday's done. You can't do any more work. Jesus is saying night is coming. Spiritual night is coming. When no man can work. And then he says, we must work the works of him who sent us. In other words, he says, while it's still day. In other words, Jesus is saying the life that we have in this earth, it's a real short time span. He, he akins it to a day with the sun is setting. James calls our life a mist. We're here mo- one moment and it's gone. And Jesus is breathing this urgency into our life. He's saying, look, your life is not purposelessness. Your, your life is not purposeless. Your life is filled with meaning and there's an urgency to what you do with your time and your energy and your resources. And what he's saying is, look, we're at least two layers of meaning at what Jesus is saying. We're all going to die. And when we die, night comes. And when we die, we will no longer be able to participate in the work of God of spreading the gospel, advancing his kingdom and building his church. We'll get to worship him forever if if we belong to the Lord. But the actual work of expanding his kingdom, spreading the gospel and building his church, that will be done. And what Jesus is saying is you've got a tiny little slice of time to do that. Night is coming. And because it's such a small slice of time, we must work the works of him who sent us. I've shared this often in real life because it's um, something in my life that has shaped me. But I had a friend die every year, my sixth grade year through my, my 12th grade year in high school. I could tell you all their names. It was Stephen and McKin- uh, Stephen and Nakia and, and um, Eric and James and uh, Daniel and Shane. I could just tell you how they all died. But the Lord used that experience in my life to stamp this truth upon my soul that night is coming. Life is short. And we must work the works of him who sent us while it is still day. So these two scriptures gir- kind of ground this phrase, our time. Now, um, as, as I've been praying and seeking the Lord and thinking about what God's got ahead of us, um, this phrase came to me. I'm a little bit of a child of the 80s. Anybody with me there? And in the 80s, the Chicago Bulls had um, that little, you know, what time is it? Game time. Anybody remember that? What time is it? Game time, right? And um, Jordan is the OG. Over, I mean, he's, he's the goat over LeBron. Can I get an amen? Okay, all right. In, anyways, um, I just thought, you know, at real life, we have this mantra where I say, keep it real. And you say, okay, 8.30 had you guys. Wow. Oh my goodness, 10 o'clock, come on. Um, so we have this thing at real life where I say, keep it real, and you say, okay, that, that's a little more like it. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe during this sermon series where we're envisioning our future together, we can kind of wrap our hearts around this phrase, it's our time. And so like this is borderline cheesy, but church, I think you're here for it with me, right? Um, where I'll say, what time is it? And you'll say, yeah, all right, that, that wasn't bad, all right, but I think we can do just a little better. So what time is it? Now, here's the deal. Like, I don't want this to be like, like a real, like, pep rally. I'm serious. When, when you say it's our time, I want you to say it from the deepest part of who you are with a conviction that God put you where you are at this place and at this time for a purpose. When, when I say what time is it, I want you to echo back, it's our time. And as you echo it back, I want you to say it with faith in your heart that God put me here at this place, at this time, for his purpose. Can, can you do that, church? Can we do that together? We'll do it one more time. What time is it? 
Right on. Um, so hopefully you found your way to Haggai. Don't you love how much time I, I, I gave you to get to the book of Haggai this morning? Haggai chapter 1. I just want us to look um, at one verse as we answer the question, why build? We answered the question this morning, why our time? So I want to answer the question, why build? And like, I could give a hundred reasons why built, right? Um, in the video that you saw earlier, our contract ends here at the City Forum in the fall of 2024. That's a good reason to build, right? Like, we don't need to be like a homeless church gathering under a tent, although some of you would be like, no, that sounds cool. Let's do that. And I think that would last for about a minute, you know, and we, we, ha- we have to establish a hub of discipleship. God has birthed so many new believers here, and we have kids that God has entrusted to us, and we need a place to ground them in the gospel and to, to grow them in the likeness of the Lord. We need a hub of hospitality. Friends, don't we live in a broken world? I mean, how many people are hurting, and we need a, a haven of hospitality where we can open our doors wide. We live in a culture that's like cancel culture. You do the wrong thing in the wrong way in front of the wrong people, and they just write you off. But the church is like, no, you are accepted here. You are welcomed here. Our heart is filled with love here, and King Jesus can restore your brokenness. That's our message, right? So why build? It's because we need a place. We need a home where we can open our doors wide and open our hearts wide and open our arms wide and welcome the broken in. There's so many reasons why, why build, but this morning I want to just look at one reason that we see tucked away in the book of Haggai. And over the next several weeks, moving up toward Easter, we're going to move, be moving through the book of Haggai, but I want you to see this with me in verses 7 through 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. That's a pretty good thing to do, isn't it? Consider your ways. Consider what you say and consider what you watch and consider what you do and consider where you go and consider how you think and consider what you spend your time on and consider what you spend your money on. The Lord says, consider your ways to his people. Let me just set the context here uh, just to help you understand where is the book of Haggai happening in redemptive history. Babylon invaded Jerusalem three different times. And as Babylon invaded Jerusalem on the third time, the city was burnt. The city was burnt to the ground and the temple was burnt to the ground. Um, later, King Darius from the, from the, Pado-Mur, from the um, hang on, let me get this straight in my notes, because this is tough, um, from the Medo-Persian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire takes over Babylon, and, and King Darius is friendly toward Jerusalem, so friendly, he says, I'm actually going to help you rebuild the temple. So, so about 70 years later, after the, the temple is burnt, Haggai is moved by the Lord to preach to the people of God to rebuild the temple. That's what's happening here. So why build? Look at verse 8 with me. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. I, can, you, can, you, can you picture this? I think a lot of us have been picturing this, haven't we? Anybody been trying to pull a tree out of your yard or off your driveway or helping a friend take a tree? Uh, what I really wanted to do this morning, but I just thought somebody would hate me for it, is I wanted to bring like a big tree in here and just lay it right here, like a big long hunking tree that fell over in somebody's yard, you know, and all I, I wanted to get a bunch of us to just pick it up. Because that's what the Lord's telling like his people to do. He says, go up the hills, bring the wood, and build my house. And I just thought, what a great visual it would be if we could like, all like, feel how heavy this wood would have been. Just to feel the weight of what God was telling his people to do. Like how high, how high is the hill? And how much wood was needed? And how big of a disruption must have this been for God's people? I wonder what they had to cancel on their calendar. 
I'm not particularly handy with saws and hammers and such. You guys kind of know that, don't you? Right, so I think, if, I think if we were going up the hill to, to gather the wood, I'd be, I'd be encouraging the mess out of some of you guys that are picking the wood up, you know? I'd have pizza down at the bottom of the hill waiting on you, you know? It's like we all have our gift, right? It's just kind of... The, the Lord tells his people, he says, go to the hills, get wood, and build my house. So it's important for us to, to understand how is what God was telling his people through Haggai, how is that different than what we're doing? Well, God was telling um, his people through Haggai to rebuild his temple. What we're building, our church building, is not the temple. What happened at the temple is sacrifices were made for sin, and it pointed to Jesus. Jesus has now come, and Jesus is now like this embodiment of the temple where he, on the cross, became a sacrifice for our sins. Once and for all, sacrifices don't have to be made over and over and over again now because Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. So he became the ultimate and final sacrifice for sin. Hallelujah. And as he rose from the dead, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. So now we, followers of Christ, have actually become the temple. So as God is prioritizing the temple, saying rebuild the temple, and he says do it for that I might take pleasure in it and be glorified. Look at this with me in verse 8. He says, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it. And that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Now we, as the temple of God, he's saying, I want to take pleasure in you. And I want to be glorified in your life. I want to be glorified in your heart and what you think about and where you go and what you do and what you invest in. I want to, I want to be glorified in your days and in your weeks. I want to be glorified in your life. So, so it's different in that God was telling his people to rebuild the temple and now we are the temple. So what we're doing is a little different. But it's similar in that what God's people were commanded to do was to build a place of worship in the temple. And that's what we're doing now. Why did God tell his people to build a place of worship? Look at it with me. We just read it. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You know, this is the burning passion of God in his heart. The Bible says whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. God has a passion and a dream. That our lives and what we conduct ourselves in, it'll, it'll, it'll reflect his majesty. So why are we building? Well, we could list off a hundred reasons. Our contract's over. We're establishing a permanent presence in Sango for people to worship for generations to come. Why are we building? Well, here's the burning center. It's for the glory of God. It's not to put Sango on the map. It's not to, it's not to put anybody's preference forward. It's for the glory of God. It's for the majesty of God. We're, we're establishing a house of worship so that men and women, boys and girls can come and gather as the church. Seniors and middle-aged and people of all backgrounds can come and gather and worship and exalt Jesus to the glory of the Father. That's why we're doing this. At the, at the end of the day, there's a myriad of reasons why we're doing this, but there's no reason greater and there's no reason more important than it's for the glory of God. Um, this is going to take, take all of us. Um, I'm going to invite Steve and Emily uh, Hanschel just to come up because I want to interview them this morning to talk about this a little bit. And um, uh, this, this is going to take all of us. The, the full project will be uh, probably likely a little over $9 million. 
And uh, I know it's like, whoa, that's a lot. This is the day that we're living in. Are we here for it, church? I think we're here for it. Um, you know, it's, 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 easy, it's easy to look at our culture and see the moral decline of our culture and, and throw our hands up in the air and complain and be angry and all those things. But here's what I love is that you're living in this day and God appointed that. God appointed that we would live in this wicked day, I think, to shine the light of Christ brightly. He determined where you would live and when you would live because I think he believes that we can shine bright for him. Um, We've got a $5 million goal, and in that goal, $1.1 million of that goes to year one of our budget. $1.2 million of that $5 million goal goes to year two of our budget. So all the ministry that we normally conduct is a part of the Our Time vision. All the missionaries that we support around the world is part of our Our Time vision. The local partnerships that we partner with here locally, the mission partners that we support, is part of our Our Time vision. Students have color wars coming up on the land, and and that's part of our Our Time vision. All of our normal ministry is part of our Our Time vision. And of that $5 million, $2.7 million of that is going toward capital to get the building going. Now, I think we've got the potential, and I think wouldn't it bless the heart of God if we just totally surpassed that $5 million goal? Um, We could do that, but it's going to take all of us. I'm excited to see every kid pray and ask the Lord what he wants them to get. Every teenager, every one of us that call real life home. Maybe maybe today's your first Sunday, and you're like, whoa, (laughs) wouldn't it be amazing if he stirred in your heart this morning to say, hey, you found home. You found home. This is Steve and Emily, and for some of you this morning, you're going, oh, they're married. I see it now. True. Uh, the guitarist is married to the pianist. It all makes sense now. It's a plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, how are you guys doing? Good. Good. Yeah, would you just tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. Yeah, we have a, a 13-year-old daughter. Her name is Peyton. An 11-year-old son named Micah. And I'm pretty sure most of you know Cora, our little six-year-old who has Down syndrome. Uh, if you don't, she'll be the one that will be booping you, and you'll be like, Who, what, what was that? <laughs> so good, so good. Um, you guys uh, have been serving at our church for some time. Um, can you just tell us about how that came about and why you do that? Sure. Um, I mean, we met in a youth group playing on a worship team. It's just been a part of like almost like our DNA and just what we feel called and led to do. Um, and so... We uh, came here the first Sunday that Real Life was public, and uh, Steve was wearing a Milwaukee Brewer shirt, Freddie T being a baseball fan, lover, whatever, um, saw it and was like, hey, let's sit down, let's have coffee. You like baseball, I like baseball, let's get together. Um, yes. And uh, so through that conversation, um, it was just found out uh, what's in our hearts and what we do, what our desires are, and what we have been blessed with. Uh, and so uh, Freddie T hooked us up with Eli, who was the youth, or not youth, worship leader at that time. He came over to our house on a Thursday night, and we kind of just shared our, our love, our passion, our calling. And before we knew it, we were on stage that Sunday. Yeah. So it's so amazing. Um, what I'm struck by is you have three kids. Mm-hmm. One has Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. That is a lot. It is. Um, and yet you wanted to roll up your sleeves and serve the church. Um, folks see you up here, but they don't see kind of behind the scenes. Steve, when do you show up to serve? 5 a.m. Yeah. 5 a.m. 
Every Sunday. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. Steve's on staff right now as our worship coordinator, but he didn't start that way. He started showing up at 5 a.m. just to serve. Um, So, like, we're just trying to wrap our minds. I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. You've got three kids, one with Down syndrome, and you want to show up at 5 a.m. to serve. Why? You make us sound crazy, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We just love the church so much. Um, God's really impressed on our heart that um, when you find a home, you should fully embrace it. Um, I I think we tried to to stay on the sidelines, but usually God will find you. He He will (laughs) find you when he wants you to do something. Um, You just have to be open to the call. And, and that's what we felt like we were. What's, what's been your experience of, of having a special needs child at real life? Um, well, as some people, I mean, any mother has nervousness when their kids are like in a new environment, you know, you don't know how they're going to react. Um, and so with Cora having Down syndrome, there's, there can sometimes be a communication breakdown, if you will. Um, so when we showed up on that first service, I, I go into the, the, she was in babies and pre-K at that time. I go in there. I'm like, okay, so here's the story. You know, this is her. This is some blah, blah, blah. And they're like, guess what? We got a speech therapist over here. We got somebody who works in uh, special ed right over here. Like, don't worry. We got this. And we have felt that support and love ever since. Yeah, church, doesn't that make you happy just to hear that, that that's the way we're serving families like this? Yeah, give it up. Praise the Lord, right? Um, okay, so... Family of three, one special needs kid, showing up at 5 a.m. You stand on stage. It's you're, just you're, him. I show up at like 7 o'clock. 7, all right. We, Should be 6.45. We're but. tracking. So, um, and then you lead us, both services, and then you tear things down. And somewhere along the way, just as Haggai was telling God's people to consider their ways, you considered your ways as it pertained to giving. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so with doing all that, we kind of thought um, we're doing a lot. So that's kind of our tithe. And then there was a, there was a point, um, there wasn't a special moment, but it, we just kind of looked at each other. We're like, we kind of feel like we're at home now. And so what does that look like to take a next step in being at home besides membership, things like that? And we're like, I think we should start tithing. And we just were both like, yep, it's time to start it's tithing. We've been totally blessed from that. Um, God shows himself strong through all that. And I, I know it looks different for each person. And not everybody can give X or this or whatever. But just to look inside and see what you can do um, for, for God's kingdom. And it, it just opened up the doors for you know, more things, more ministry. The, just seeing the different families, seeing the, the lives changed by the church, um, solidified being home. And that made it all 100% worth it, worth even the thought of it being a struggle, if that makes sense. Well, that's amazing, but it still kind of blows my mind because you're giving so much of your time. You're serving so much. And for a long time, you had justified, we're not, we're not giving because we're doing. Mm-hmm. So why? Why did, you, why did you decide to give? I mean, it was literally like a switch went off in our head of like, God gives us so much. He's blessed us with talents that we can give back to him, but he's given us, I mean, it's beyond that. There's so much. So why can't we do the simple thing that he asks of us and give of our finances as well? Yeah, I feel like it was a a clarity piece of, okay, this is your home. Would you not contribute to the well-being of the home? Like help pay the bills, help things like that, the practical things. And it was just as simple as that for us. Um, 
I know it's not always that easy. Yeah, but. yeah. Any regrets? Absolutely not. No. I mean, it, it's like, it's a privilege and an honor to serve. It's a privilege and an honor to give. And like, it's, there's no regrets whatsoever. It's so good. I remember you telling me you felt a little, what, do you, that you hadn't started earlier. What did you feel? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it was so simple. I mean, we signed up for recurring giving, and it just, like, it's, it's a no-brainer at this point. So why was it that we didn't start doing this sooner? I, I don't know. Yeah. But we just thought, why did we not trust God sooner? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. Love you guys. So thankful for you. Would you guys give it up for Steve and Emily? Aren't you inspired? Um. This morning, we're kicking off a, a special series that'll kind of culminate on Easter Sunday. And church, I want to invite you to pray, to seek the Lord, to hear from him about how he would lead you to expand your giving um, so that the vision that he's entrusted to us can become a reality. We don't want anybody to fill out a commitment card today, um, but would you put this somewhere where you can see it and pray? Um, this is really about your relationship with God. And um, I'm so excited to see how the Lord speaks to us. I'm so excited to see how the Lord begins to stretch us. I'm so excited to see some people maybe trust the Lord for the very first time in their life with their finances. Um, we'll, we'll be explaining how to fill the card out in, in the weeks to come, but it's pretty self-explanatory on the back. On Easter Sunday, we'll have just, just a special Sunday where we invite our church just to bring prayerfully, bring their commitment cards. And, and leave them at the altar in a spirit of, of prayer. On the front of this card, you can kind of see how God could do it. It's just a breakdown of how God could do it. And um, it's just, just a picture. Church, I love you and I'm praying for you. And I'm so excited to see how the Lord stirs in your heart. Um, I'm inspired when I hear stories like Steve and Emily's. And, um, and I can't wait to see the stories that rise up out of this time. So would you stand and pray with me as we sing together? Father, we thank you for your great love. We thank you for what you have begun here at Real Life. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to every real lifer about how you want to lead them to invest in what you're doing here. Father, we are listening. We, your children, we are listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.